to the Joy Revolution podcast, where we are going to have deep chats about motherhood that will give you the insights, perspective shifts, and actionable tools to find ease in your day-to-day life so that you can gain back the energy and vitality you're missing and use it to create space for more joy. I'm Elizabeth Wallace, and I am here not to make motherhood easy. It's not but I am here to help you create more ease in your day-to-day life so you can close the gap between trying to match your experience of motherhood to a picture that looks good on paper or on Instagram and an experience of being a mom where your daily life feels good to you on your insides. Let's dig in. All right, all right. Welcome. Welcome back. I'm so happy you are here because today we are talking about one of the questions that I get most often, which is, but when are emotions a problem? Can emotions get in the way and are they always necessary? Let's start here. What you think and feel during the transition into motherhood and in the day-to-day of being a mom can feel overwhelming and intense. That is so true. It can feel like you're drowning in your emotions and swirling in your thoughts, and they can feel pretty damn inescapable. Now, there are a lot of reasons why emotions get called a problem. Today, we're going to chat about the five most common in hopes that you come away from this episode with a thoroughly different view and understanding of your emotions. So the five, just to list them off for you before we dive on in, are number one, they don't feel good. (laughs) Two is we don't tend to know what they mean. Three, they feel really big and all-consuming and we feel hijacked by them. Four, we don't know how to let them out of our bodies or even that we need to let them out of our bodies, which leads to compound emotions and emotions building up over time. And five, we get confused between the emotion itself and the behavior that stems from the emotion. Okay? We're going to dig into each one of these, starting at the beginning, the discomfort of emotions. All right. Emotions can 100% be super uncomfy. That has been and always will be true. But somehow the messaging we got growing up about this discomfort was to avoid, 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 avoid it, right? And honestly, this is where I see most people spending lots of time and energy and money, (laughs) avoiding the discomfort of their emotions. But when we back up to look at what emotions are made of, which I go into much more in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. What we're dealing with are sensations. You're going to hear me say this a zillion times. Sensations are just our body's way of flagging our attention. The thing is, we get so hung up on the discomfort of the sensation in our bodies 
that we've poured all our energy into either avoiding our sensations or letting ourselves get lost in them, feeling like we can do nothing about them, right? Instead of paying attention to the message that that sensation is carrying. And this stems from the fact that modern humans have been obsessed with comfort, right? We have made incredible advances in technology, all of which are geared towards creating more comfort, right? Like the introduction of heat or air conditioning or lights or showers or flush toilets or Tylenol for aches and pains, right? And as we've done so, we've severely decreased our capacity to feel discomfort. As we've been creating some ease in areas of our lives, and believe me, I don't want to give back heat and lights and toilets and Tylenol, (laughs) right? But as we've been doing that, we've been unwittingly creating a bend away from all discomfort. Even the whole premise of this podcast is a little bit hypocritical because it's all about how to create more ease in your daily life as a way of moving away from the stressed out, burned out, maxed out, hustly way we've been operating. But funnily enough, in this particular area, the area of emotions and sensations, the key is not to distance yourself from the discomfort, but to learn how to be in it. Now, I know it can be easy and very natural to roll your eyes at that statement. (laughs) The first time someone told me, you are not your thoughts, you are not your sensations, you are not your emotions, I was like, say what now? (laughs) I had a really hard time grasping that I am a human who has thoughts, who experiences emotions, and who feels sensations, rather than those things being the literal building blocks of who I am. Separating myself from my thoughts and my feelings felt like bullshit, (laughs) and it felt pretty inaccessible to me until I thought about it differently. So I am a visual learner and I want to offer you a metaphor that helped me really get this in a different way. I want to just see how this lands for you. Imagine you're standing in a dry little cave behind a waterfall. You can see the water rushing past you at the entrance of the cave, but you aren't getting wet. You're standing steady and grounded, just watching the water rush past with all its force. Now, imagine that waterfall is made of your thoughts, your emotions, and your sensations. You can see the overwhelm, the stress, the anxiety, the repetitive thoughts, the worry list, the cloudiness in your head, the tightness in your chest. You can see all of that rushing by. Maybe you see joy too. Maybe it's all moving very quickly. But there's space between you and that waterfall, right? There's space between you and those emotions, the sensations, the thoughts. You are dry and safe, and those emotions are simply rushing past. Just take a moment 
visualizing that or sensing that in whatever way it comes to you. What do you notice when you create a little distance between you and that waterfall? Right? With a little bit of space, you get to remember that the purpose that emotions serve is that they are little messengers carrying information. We talked about this in the last episode. Remember, ask yourself, what is the emotion trying to ask me to pay attention to? What is it flagging for me? There is crucial information being held inside our emotions and sensations, right? That we can use when we remember that that is their purpose. Just because they are uncomfortable doesn't make your emotions a problem, okay? Next, we're going to talk about emotions feeling really big and all-consuming, and this is so common. I hear a lot of women talk about how they feel totally hijacked by their emotions, that rage that bubbles up when you come down the stairs and your partner is sitting on the couch while there are toys and dishes everywhere can feel like you're totally being taken over. And a lot of moms have shared that when this happens repeatedly, they end up just really not feeling like themselves, right? Like they can't be who they want to be because they're always being taken over by these wild emotions. Hear me when I say this, your emotions aren't monsters, And they aren't turning you into a monster. They're simply getting real loud because there's something in you being activated, right? Something that needs to be paid attention to. But when you've learned that when you feel big emotions, it means something about you, doesn't feel so good when they rise up, right? You learn that you are a, air quotes, emotional mess. You are a nagging wife. You are always angry. And that's all just bullshit. (laughs) What you are is an amazing freaking human experiencing a loud neon sign telling you, hey, there's something to pay attention to here. And there are two components of this quote unquote emotional hijacking. There's the feelings part, right? Meaning the intense sensations you feel in your body when it's saying, listen, 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 right? Maybe it's that bubble of rage or a hot pressure in your chest, right? And then there's the way that those emotions impact your thoughts. You go from walking down the stairs after doing bedtime thinking, ah, now I get to go relax. But then you see all the toys and the dishes and you get that hot pressure in your chest. You feel the bubble of rage and all of a sudden you're thinking, why am I the only one doing anything around here? What the fuck? It must be nice to sit around on the couch, right? Then next thing you know, you're snipping at your partner and it feels like shit. And then you're left feeling two things, right? Both justified (laughs) in your rage, like I'm not just going to back down and let it go, but also wondering, when did I turn into this person? Your emotions flare and your thoughts jump on the bandwagon and immediately feed the flames. Now, we're going to talk about why these emotions feel so big in a second. 
But what I want to offer you is this. Remember what's really going on here. You come downstairs with a certain set of expectations. You get into the living room and those expectations are not met. Your body starts telling you, "Uh uh-oh, something ain't right. Something is causing friction inside you. Pay attention. Now, Here's the key. I am not telling you that what the emotions are flagging isn't a problem. Like, you might have a problem with the way that you've divided the evening bedtime cleanup routine, but your emotions about that isn't a problem, right? And you are not a problem for feeling these emotions, okay? These emotions are simply flagging that something isn't quite right, So what do you actually do in these moments to not get hijacked and actually use your emotions for their purpose of delivering that info? I like to do it like this. Okay, I'm going to see how this translates into a podcast. But when I get a rise of emotion, the first thing that I do is I take a sharp inhale. And this allows me to have a mini reaction, right? A lot of people talk about like creating a pause before you respond. And I always wondered like, well, what the fuck do I put in the pause? Like if I'm just mad and I'm mad through the pause and I'm like holding on to the mad, then what's the point of the pause, (laughs) right? So this is what I do in lieu of a blank pause, okay? I take a sharp inhale allowing myself to have that mini reaction. While I am breathing in, I say to myself, "Ooh, girl, you are feeling some big hot shit right now. And you'll notice I do it in the third person because what that immediately does is take me out of the center of it. When I say, "Ooh, girl, you're feeling some hot shit right now. It's like I'm looking at myself feeling the things and I feel a little less in it. Next, as I'm breathing in, what I'm also doing, besides talking to myself, (laughs) is I begin to widen into peripheral vision. And let me just explain how this works. It's really simple. And once you practice it, it's gonna become second nature to you because it's so fucking magical and how fast it works. What you do is you just simply look ahead at you. It's something that's not moving. You don't need to fixate on it, but you just need to have a uh, like a focal point, right? Something that's not moving. Then you're not going to move your head. You're not going to move your eyes. You're simply going to start to notice what's on either side of you. And keep widening out further and further side to side, noticing what you can notice in your peripheral vision, meaning the the vision to either side of you, all right? I'm going to explain why all this works in a second. So what we have thus far is sharp inhale, having your reaction, saying, oh, girl, you're feeling some big hot shit right now, widening into peripheral vision. And then I take a doubly long exhale out. And I ask at the bottom, hey, what is this flagging for me? Right? Why this helps and why this works 
is because, number one, that sharp inhale gives you a mini reaction, which is just helpful. It doesn't put all the pressure on like, get rid of the emotion and figure out what it means and blah, 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 right? You're allowed to have a little reaction that does not harm you or others, right? Then validating yourself by saying, oh, girl, you're having that some big hot shit right now. Like, hey, let me name it. Your experience is real. Then widening out into peripheral vision, that is a way to calm your nervous system. When you are stressed out and activated, your vision actually shifts biologically into tunnel vision. Right? Scientifically, it's called foveal vision, but you don't need to know that. You get tunnel vision. We actually stop using your peripheral vision. Because you can imagine running from a bear and not looking side to side, being like, that is a lovely clearing. I should have a picnic over there later. No, you're like, what is the clearest path through the woods directly in front of me to get to safety? But when you actively shift into peripheral vision, it's like a switch in your brain that says, oh, we must be safe now because we are moving into peripheral vision. Okay? Then that double exhale out is also a nervous system soother. Anytime you breathe in and take a doubly long exhale, it is a way of stimulating your vagus nerve, which you will hear me talk about one million zillion trillion Brazilian times over in all of these podcasts. That is the nerve that is responsible or mainly responsible for turning on your rest and digest nervous system. Right? That sounds like a lot. I get that, but I just want you to practice it a few times. Sharp inhale. Ooh, girl, you're feeling some hot shit. Widen out, exhale out. What is this flagging for me? It's literally, after you practice it a time or two, it's one round of breath to help you not get hijacked by your emotions and use them for their purpose of delivering info. Now, I want to give you a little bit of relief by telling you that the information your emotions are giving you isn't always this like deep wisdom that points to the patriarchal system of mom marginalization. No, like sometimes it's, oh, I don't like this or, oh, this annoys me. This doesn't feel good. That is information too. Okay, so don't put pressure on yourself to delve deep into what your emotions are telling you. Sometimes it's like, ooh, ooh, I don't like this. Or ooh, we need to like, oh, God, like we need to split this up differently or assign roles differently, right? It doesn't all have to be so serious. And also let me remind you that this, you know, with the comfortable emotions, this is the same process, right? Of like, oh my gosh, this feels really good. What is that telling me, right? What is it flagging for me? Oh, I want more of this in my life, right? So the same is true on the flip side. We're just focusing on why emotions aren't a problem. And typically, we're not complaining too much about the emotions that make us feel good. Now, one of the biggest gaps in our culture's understanding about emotions is that we aren't taught how to let them out of our bodies, or even that we need to let them out of our bodies, which leads to compound emotions and emotions building in a non-helpful way, okay? So the long and short of it is our emotions exist in our bodies, right? They are supposed to cycle through us 
every 90-ish seconds or so. When we don't listen to them or acknowledge them, and when we stuff them down, the emotions get stored in our bodies. And over time, if you don't listen to the information your emotions are carrying, it gets louder and louder and louder until you have no choice but to listen. You can think about it like like your alarm in the morning. It starts off soft like, hey, it's time to get up. And then it gets more insistent and more annoying until you're slamming your hand down to shut it up. When your emotions build up, we feel them really intensely because there's a lot of sensation being stored inside us. It's a biological necessity then to release these emotions from your body in order to close the stress cycle. This is an idea taken from Emily and Amelia Nagoski's book, Burnout, which I super highly recommend. I will link it in the show notes. And they talk about how just like dogs need to literally shake off after a stressful encounter, we humans need to discharge strong emotions from our physical bodies. And this step is absolutely crucial for processing emotions so you don't get stuck in them as they grow bigger and bigger. Now, let me be clear. (laughs) Releasing emotions from your body doesn't take a ton of time And it can be as simple as dancing around your room for three minutes or shaking your entire body, head to toe, or squeezing every muscle in your body for 30 seconds, then taking a big breath in and letting it go. It can be breathing with intention. It can be walking and every time you stamp your foot down thinking, I am releasing emotion, right? It can be creativity. It can be laughter. Laughter is an amazing emotional state changer. It can also be everyone's dreaded thing, which I am the biggest proponent proponent of, crying. (laughs) Crying is a beautiful, healthy emotional release that creates space inside you, right? The key is when you are crying to focus on the feeling of release rather than letting your mind rest upon the thing that is making you cry, right? Practicing this alone, the release of emotions from your body will make emotions seem far less like a problem because they'll feel less intense because you're helping them function as they're supposed to, right? Flowing in and out of you, carrying information. And so I want to bring you back to that image of the waterfall. Because just like the water rushing down a waterfall in front of you, your thoughts, your sensations, your emotions are meant to flow, right? They only get trapped in your body when you fixate on them when you grab onto them with your mind. So practice seeing them as fluid. Practice imagining yourself behind that waterfall, watching them rush down in front of you, moving through and past, and notice what, if any, shifts you feel. 
All right. (laughs) The last and maybe the biggest reason people think emotions are problems is because we get confused between the emotion itself and the behavior that stems from the emotion. This is a biggie. (laughs) This is at the root of so many misconceptions about emotions being a problem. And this is why, right? There's a difference that we have forgotten between the emotion you experience and the behavior you exhibit in response to the emotion. This is huge. We see it all the time with kids. They have big emotions, but don't have the skills to express or respond to their emotions. So babies cry, right? That's what they know how to do. Kids throw tantrums. I'm experiencing those myself right now with my 16-month-old, right? It used to be the case that we'd blame the emotions. Nowadays, people like Dr. Becky, if you don't follow her, please do. She's Dr. Becky at Good Inside on Instagram. She has a whole website. But people like her are reteaching us that we have good kids who are having a hard time and haven't yet learned how to express their emotions in a healthy way. Now, I go one step further to say that we have good kids who are having a hard time because they have yet to learn how to listen and learn from their emotions and express them and release their emotions in a healthy way. We You and me, we are just big kids in adult bodies. We didn't learn this stuff either. We were also told that our emotions were the problem instead of our behaviors being inappropriate or unhealthy. And just like how that isn't true for our kids, it's also not true for us. You are a good mom who sometimes has a hard time. And you were never taught how to learn from the information your emotions are giving you and how to then release and express your emotions in a healthy way, right? So let's start to change that now. Because when you continue to believe that emotions are a problem, of course you're going to spend more time and precious energy doing whatever you can to escape the discomfort of them but you will save time and energy and let's face it, money probably when you start to shift your perspective around emotions. All right, that's it for now. I cannot wait to be back with you soon, but in the meantime, I am sending you the biggest hug. All right, I do want to put a caveat out here that if you have emotions that make you feel truly unsafe or feel too big to handle on your own, please reach out to a healthcare professional. If you are postpartum, which research is just coming out that the postpartum period can last for the first seven years of your child's life and you need support, you can contact Postpartum International via their website at www.postpartum.net or by calling 1-800-944-4773. Thank you so much for listening. My hope is that with each of these podcasts, you will create a little bit more mental and emotional ease in your day-to-day life. 
because those one degree shifts, they add up. If you're looking for more, you can find me on my Instagram at Elizabeth the Joy Coach, or you can learn more about working with me personally at my website, www.elizabethwallacewellness.com. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening to make it easier for other moms to join the joy revolution. Mm-hmm.